Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. And I am glad to be back with you after a couple of weeks kind of in exile, if you will, but home now, back in sunny California, sitting behind my desk in front of my computer screen, and glad to be able to spend a couple of hours with you uh, as we talk about uh, the latest news as we answer to some of the crazy things that have gone on over the last couple of years. Uh, again, welcome to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Giston. My website, if you want to, my email, rather, if you want to uh, chime in and uh, let me know how you're doing or how we sound. I'm, I'm, it's been a couple of weeks. I just want to make sure we're sounding all right. Uh, Grace Bible Church is where I pastor in Hayward, as you know. So our my email is GBC, all lowercase GBC Hayward at gmail.com, gbchayward at gmail.com. Just email me and let me know if we're sounding okay uh, right now, if we need to ramp up uh, the quality. Um, Probably we'll be back in studio where the sound will be a lot more professional in a couple of weeks. I don't know. Just thinking about, you know, how uh, beneficial or inconvenient that might be as well. I, now I know what people feel like who work in um, in buildings and have been at home now for a couple of years, and and then are told, "All right, so about time to get out there and drive and deal with traffic and and uh, sit in the formal designated space that you have been, uh, you know, in their case, employed to occupy, uh, and then have to drive back home." I don't know how that works. I I don't know how that works when we're talking about effective, efficient um, uh, work on a emotional and a practical level for people who have to deal with the hustle and bustle of that traffic. But uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll see. Hopefully, I'll be able to keep my present station here uh, at the Attila de Hun in uh, Castro Valley. But uh, but yeah, I'm glad to be back with you. The number to reach me is one 888 1-888-367-5329. 1-888-367-5329. Uh, a lot to talk about, and uh, we won't even get much of it started today because I'd love to make sure that uh, I answer your questions or address some of your issues or um or field some of your observations at one 329 I was gone a couple weeks ago to Texas. We, uh, my wife and I spent a week with our uh, firstborn daughter and her husband and their seven children. Glorious week with uh, the grannies. And uh, we were in Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas is a beautiful part of the country of Texas. Texas is its own country, whether you know it or not. Folks act uh, very Texas like in comparison to many other parts of the country and the world. Uh, And being in Austin, to my surprise, it was as modern and uh, and uh, uh, as uh, as representative of even the the Bay Area and largely maybe I would say San Jose or San Diego or 
the very busy parts of the uh, business sectors in, in San Francisco are, are um, again, uh, California. It's not uh, at the center of Austin. It's not a, a rural type of country, uh, you know, throwback uh, area or part of that state. It is very modern, uh, you know, tall buildings, very modern buildings. Listen, a lot of cars, a lot of traffic on the main highways. And as we are driving from the airport headed towards the area of Austin, really, we were in a suburb called Round Rock near where our daughter uh, is staying outside of the parameters of, of Austin. Now, Austin in its own right is beautiful. But again, busy. So what was really interesting to me is that you had traffic in the morning, just like we do in the Bay Area, and then traffic in the evening as well. They're a bit more aggressive at making sure the lanes are widened and that you can get to your designation in uh, the expected time that Google lets you know. But and, and therefore, it wasn't all that problematic being in traffic, you know, on top of that, being used to it. But yeah, it's really growing. A lot of people are moving to Austin. Uh, a lot of the companies that are here in California have moved to Austin. Austin is filled with people from all over the world. So it is not your uh, monolithic, you know, uh, largely Texas represented city. It is an amalgamation of all kinds of ethnic groups, as well as uh, folks from different states. That's what made it pretty cool. Now, uh, the other part, however, is that they are still very, very, very aggressive when it comes to quality restaurants and, and quality eating. And one of the things I wanted to take advantage of, of which I believe we just have a serious deficit here in California, and that is good barbecue. We just don't have it here in California for some reason. Either it's a consequence of the uh, OSHA uh, uh, regulations that don't allow for uh, barbecue joints here to really get down. Our, our barbecue is just extremely uh, impotent, kind of weak. Uh, if you have good barbecue sauce, then the meat is always suspicious. I mean, isn't that really the case? You go somewhere and they have some really quality barbecue sauces. But then the meat is burnt or the meat is dry or the meat is hard or they give you smaller portions than they should for the price that you are paying. It really is dissatisfying and it is a uh, disreputable uh, a blight on on California barbecue, in my uh, in my opinion. And yes, you can go to places that uh, are, are noted for really good barbecue and, and all you get is maybe average Average. I'm sure there are a number of joints in the Bay Area that are off the beaten path that you could recommend, and I'd be glad to uh, I'd be glad to explore them and see whether or not that they could fix really good brisket or pulled pork um, or uh, slab ribs as uh, as some of the extremely popular joints in Texas. Brotherton being one, Blackie's being another, Franklin being another. Uh, somebody told me about a joint called Liberty. I'll, I'll check it out when I get back on that end. But uh, that was pleasant. Oh, oh, yeah, by the hotel, we had, had a little hole in the joint called Rudy's. And Rudy's, uh, they they were, their barbecue sauce was outstanding. I got some here at the house now. I did pick up a couple of books 
to work on my culinary skills in the area of barbecue. I hope to be able to visit with a few friends and loved ones around some uh, smoked, uh, again, uh, barbecue and uh, uh, ribs and if you will, links and things of that nature, if I can get that combination down, uh, I want to try it and see if we can do something like that here in, in the Bay Area. But if you have any options, if you have a reputation, if you know of somebody that can throw that throw down, then email me, GBC, Grace Bible Church, GBC Hayward at gmail.com and point me in that direction. Uh, again, um, I'd, uh, I'd I'd love to I'd love to find out that I'm wrong that California really can truly get down with the barbecue. Now, when you are when you are a barbecue connoisseur, we are talking about being able to make the barbecue, make the meat so good that you really don't have to have barbecue sauce. The ribs are tender and they are flavorful because you use rub. If you're smart, you know how to smoke them in the pulled pork. And uh, and 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 the beef uh, uh, and, and, and just do it in a way in which once a person takes a, a, a slice of the meat, they can taste the smoke. They can taste the rub and they go, you know what, that's adequate enough. But here in California, often what you get is an experience whereby um, the, the barbecue sauce basically is smothering the meat, if you know what I mean smothering the meat. And really what we're doing is we're chewing on some substance while sucking down some really good barbecue sauce. And that's not really the way you're supposed to do uh, do barbecue. Uh, brisket. I've, 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 I've tasted some really good brisket down here in, uh, in, uh, in, 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 in Emeryville over at the marketplace. They got a pretty cool barbecue joint there where they do good brisket. The ribs are okay, a little bit small, and they're pricey. Now, the one thing that I enjoyed about Texas and my wife and I went to restaurants every night with the exception of maybe one time. And I don't even think that's true. I think we went every night uh, was the fabulous, moderate price of the food. Um, I don't think I even remember paying over a hundred dollars for any of the food for my wife and I, including drinks and things of that nature. All the little paraphernalia that ends up in California costing you two hundred dollars and two hundred and twenty dollars and all that old crazy stuff. You know what I'm talking about. It's the reason why we try to avoid going out a whole lot because you end up broke. But in Texas, it was very good. And the costs were always reasonable. A lot of times, men, uh, Barbara and I were doing meals that ended up being fifty and sixty dollars, and I mean, really getting down. Papa Do's, Papa Do's was one of the hot joints when it comes to just seafood, southern food. Louisiana, which is where my folks are on my mother's side, uh, and they actually represented really well. Papa Do's needs to come to California. In any event, the lines are open, one 367 When I come back, I will unpack and unveil some of the progress that has been made in our uh, larger media about this crazy mess going on with COVID and the vaccines and Fauci and all that other stuff you need to hear because some of you um, are aware that we're fighting a media that wants to suppress information and keep us from knowing what's really going on so that we can make advised uh, decisions when it comes to our future for ourselves, our children, and everything else. This is truly animal farm, and we need to make sure that we are not falling prey to the false narrative. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline, your host, 
Jesse Giston. Going to take a break, pay some bills, and we will come back with your phone calls on this Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. Hi, we are back. The time is 521 on this Monday edition of Lifeline, June 14th, June 14th. 2021. And I do want to say as we get ready to go to the phone lines, let's see here. We have, um, let me see how many people online. We got two lines open, one 367 Two lines open if you want to call with a question, a comment, observation. I know you've missed me. I've missed you. And so let's talk about it. You remember what you wanted to talk about two weeks ago and last week as well. So let's keep the lines busy and full for the next hour and 30 minutes. one 367 Father's Day is coming this Saturday, this Sunday. Father's Day is this Sunday, and so we want to acknowledge early on uh, the uh, the good blessings and favor of God upon all you men who are fathers in our world. I could easily begin to wax eloquent and uh, somewhat um, uh, what how would I call it? Uh, not. Um, Eugelic, uh, egilic, if you will, um, elegy, elegy, that is the term. I could wax somewhat elegic, if you will, mournfully uh, concerned about the state of fatherhood in our world. Nevertheless, I, I want to just commend you men out there who have really taking on the mantle and the banner of being a dad, of being a father, of being an individual that takes care of their children, takes care of of their uh, family, takes care of their spouse, if that is the case, and uh, just doing a yeoman's job at that. I want to encourage you to continue pressing in in spite of every circle and dimension and realm and space in our uh, present, uh, if you will, postmodern uh, neo-Marxist uh, anti-family and therefore anti-patriarchal and therefore anti-true and living God, uh, if you will, narrative dominating our world. So very discouraging to men who are trying to do the right thing for the glory of God and know that it does not help for us to fall into a mode of feminism and weakness and uh, and, and pseudo egalitarianism uh, that does not honor uh, the, the the fundamental revelation and call and missional objective of the biblical man. The biblical man, biblical manhood is so absolutely essential in our world for stability and for for strength and for constancy and for. Uh, the uh, framing and protection of all of the nurturing and um, and flourishing qualities that that good women bring to the table, the nurturing and flourishing qualities of women must be protected by the boundaries of uh, of healthy guardianship and healthy provisions and healthy uh, protection. Uh, that is really the design of men. Their jobs are to provide, to protect to preserve, to promote, to procure the uh, qualities of women. And that's what it means to be a good father. So I want to encourage you this Saturday, 
at GBC, our men's meeting, our exemplar men's meeting will take place at 8.30 a.m. in honor of our fathers. So if you guys aren't doing anything, you can certainly come out and join us this Saturday morning at 8.30. We will be having breakfast. We will be doing the famous pancakes, waffles with eggs and omelets and other uh, other goodies to uh, prepare our hearts for the exposition of scripture. And I'll be bringing a message uh, with a Q&A on the subject of anger and love. This is what I'm doing right now in our studies, if you want to follow us online, on the subject of anger and love, the anger and love of God and man in the mystery of Cain and Abel, the struggle within. That's the title. The anger of love, the uh, anger and love of God and man, the mystery of Cain and Ain, the struggle within. Uh, two qualities, anger and love, anger and love that are both neglected and distorted. Uh, very, very seldom properly managed by us as human beings, particularly in the 21st century, anger and love. When it comes to utilizing anger as an energy for a driving motive to uh, guide us into right decisions, uh, right choices, and effective outcomes as a child of God. We we have an extremely, uh, what I would call, dysfunctional relationship with both anger and love. I think you would agree. This is why there's so much of a pathological uh, almost um, uh, epidemic in our world right now with with, with men and women and, and even our children are starting to show very clear symptoms of not knowing how to understand, identify and manage their emotions. The two of which anger and love have been so distorted within the framework of image setting, image casting optics in our world. They are so perverted and they are so narcissistically and anthropocentrically uh, uh, laid out that we don't even understand the wisdom and the virtue and the power of anger and of love as tools that God has given us not only to uh, help us understand danger, and to also help us enter into and integrate into profoundly significant relationships, anger, helping us to understand danger, existential threats, and dealing with them uh, appropriately because of the benefits that come psychologically and, and, and physiologically from the focus that anger brings us into when our premise is right, when our motive is right, when our standing is right. We can be driven by anger to actually resolve problems in our world and love being the motive underneath that can drive us to look at what are necessary right choices to be made, even in the face of danger, in the face of harm, in the face of threat. This is the only way righteousness prevails in our world. And if you are a biblically sound person, you know that I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit and I'm talking about God, the Father, who possessed these qualities perfectly, love and anger, operating complementary to shape and form the expression of God in terms of his attributes, both uh, revelatory as well as redemptively in the person of Christ. And the enemy has found a way to strip us of the proper application of the emotion of anger and the proper application of the emotion of love as motive factors for doing the right thing. And therefore, a lot of us 
are either inclined to uh, practice things that are not good, driving in wrong directions, behaving uh, in, in, in manners that do not allow us to thrive as human beings, allowing us, therefore, to be trapped by pathological uh, behavior patterns that are addictive and, and, and ultimately depressing. All because we did not properly understand anger and properly understand love and employ them to overcome the obstacles that are in our lives. If you know what I'm talking about, say amen. And if you want to explore that more fully, uh, we can do that at one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. When you have a world full of full of men who are uh, breastless men, uh, as C.S. Lewis would speak about in some of his uh, his um, his analogies, the breastless man, the powerless man, the the man that's really given over to a kind of passivity, the uh, dis uh, disencouraged man, which is what our media and what entertainment and what again our secular system is trying to do to me, and this is why we have so much conversation, ladies and gentlemen, about. About transgenderism. And the transgenderism is preponderantly about moving uh, from manhood to uh, femalehood. You're not getting a massive discourse and conversation and debate around women wanting to become men. No, they, they're not encouraged to want to become like a man. It's about men wanting to become like a woman. It's what the whole argument and debate is about. Now, why are we having so many males finding themselves wanting to depart from that masculine model and expression that is so dignified in the word of God and in our world in terms of history to date? Arguably, and, 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 and I'm sure people could want, want to challenge that, but I would still say we need a world where men are noble, virtuous, powerful, uh, and clearly able to handle their emotions, particularly within the parameters of anger and love, and therefore make right choices, valiant choices, choices of integrity, choices that are, are brave, and choices that are, are, are capable of accomplishing great things, even in the face of all kinds of danger. That's generally what our military is supposed to produce in us. Gentlemen who are powerful warriors capable of breaking through the boundaries of limitation to push us to the new frontiers for the purposes of uh, glorifying God and subduing the earth. That's kind of where we are in our in our world, a depletion of biblical manhood. And that's what we're going to be talking about, how Christ can help us handle our anger and how Christ can help us define love properly so that the two can come together to be a force within you to drive you to overcome all kinds of choices and decisions that have trapped you and hindered you and, 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 uh, and defined you and have limited you so that you are not expressing yourself in the fullness of that which God is calling you to be. Again, the Cain and Abel struggle within. That's what I want to exhort the brother now. So if you're not doing anything, come on out this Saturday morning, 8.30 a.m. and join us in our exemplar men's 
breakfast and Bible study at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Mark it down. If you want to email me, do so as well. GBCHayward at gmail.com. Going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to talk about what's happening the following week with our sisterhood. We're going to be getting at it as well, helping our sisters deal with how to handle their bodies, how to handle their health, integrating health with how they think and how they act so that they can glorify God in their bodies, which are his. It's a Monday edition of Lifeline. Going to take a break. Be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time is 538 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I just finished talking to you about our men's meeting coming this Saturday morning uh, at 830. Uh, I think it's going to be January 19th. I believe it is just the 20th this Father's Day. And we will be uh, honoring men and honoring the word of God and really compelling men to actually get a better handle on their emotions so as to be able to actually make the right choices by which they glorify God. Powerful, powerful time. If you are hanging out there, if you're stranded in the uh, wilderness of grace and if you don't have a fellowship or if you're just hungry to do something on a Saturday morning where you're actually going to be fed the word of God and be around brethren, uh, men who are enthusiastic about God's word, uh, come join us, particularly if you're in the Hayward area. Just come on out and join us. Just get up. Just do it. Uh, Stop making excuses. Stop hiding behind the proverbial, uh, if you will, cubicle uh, in your mind. Just step on out and and face the music and let the word of God, the men of God and the spirit of God uh, do what we're doing in the book of Nehemiah. We're in Nehemiah chapter five, where Nehemiah is demonstrating that one of the prominent characteristics in his uh, emotionally motivated life was anger. God used his anger appropriately. He becomes a grand model of the spirit of Christ in effectually working through the obstacles and challenges that met national Israel when they were called out of Babylon to return to Palestine and reestablish Jerusalem. And the work that Nehemiah did from chapter two all the way up to chapter five was remarkable, but it wasn't done without a kind of zeal, a spirit-aided zeal that God granted Nehemiah to have as both a leader and a governor with him understanding the qualitative benefit of a righteous anger that fuels focus and clarity and discernment and then motivation and drive to actually get the work done. In other words, he was not a fearful man. And fear, fear, fear is an impeding quality that not only mitigates love, as you know, fear hath torment, uh, perfect love casts out fear, and there is no Uh, There is no grand manifestation of love dominating or expressing itself where fear becomes a dominion principle or a lordship. This is where the quality of anger becomes such a beautiful thing as our Lord Jesus expressed it, as the Holy Spirit expresses it in the euphemistic language of fire. And as God has revealed himself as a consuming fire, those qualities undergird not only the holiness of God, the revelatory manifestation and emanation of the Chabad of God. He is a consuming fire, but that consuming fire signifies the strength and power and motive and drive 
to cast out and demolish and eradicate and annihilate every sinful aberration of that which God has determined should be operating properly, but does not because of sin and because of Satan uh, to be purged from our universe. And this is why the spirit of God is seen hovering on the heads of the 120 in the upper room as cloven tongues of fire, because they were also granted the capacity to operate out of levels of zeal for God that would take on the obstacle of false religion represented in national Israel and the carnal kingdoms of this world that would always try to stop the kingdom of God from making progression in uh, this world for the glory of God, for the salvation of men and for the redemption and, and, and development and preservation of the people of God called the ecclesia. And until the church of the living God is able to understand why God has given us a makeup as human beings that constitutes the parameters of love and anger in a broken world like ours, Men and women will simply sit up and observe without being compelled to act in any righteous cause because they don't know how to negotiate anger or negotiate love properly. Let the spirit of God teach you. We're in Nehemiah chapter five. You can catch us online. I've been teaching it now for the last couple of weeks as well as on Sunday. Uh, We'll be having our next class Tuesday night, tomorrow night at 6.30 to 7.30 and then prayer time, which is where the anointing is designed to come. We're not talking carnal anointing, but real spiritual presence and power to bring us into a uh, communion with God the Father through his son, by his spirit to transform us and to help us to actually obey his will instead of sitting around talking about it. And, uh, and and watching evil take place in our world and not even speaking up about it. I've got so much to say about that in terms of what this neo-Marxist, socialist, oppressive, tyrannical system is doing in our country, causing men and women to be too scared to talk about things they know are problematic. Also, for our sisters on the... Um, I think it's going to be the 26th or 20th, 26th, yes. It's going to be a, a, a beautiful health fair that Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. It's called Healthy for His Glory, Healthy for God's Glory. Uh, you can find the dates online and all of the information. We want you to be there, learn how to think right, learn how to feel right, learn how to eat right, learn how to do right. A lot to be said about it. And there is a very strategic war being waged today against our daughters and our mothers in the in the in the area of their self-perception and also their emotions, which causes them to misrepresent the significance and benefit of food. You guys know that the first fall was around Eve being distorted in her thinking. She had bought into a false narrative. Reality was obscured by a conversation she had with the serpent that led her to misappropriate a parameter of prohibition that God had set up. And she ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we have all slid into a world of sin and misery as a consequence of it. Well, that paradigm is going on right now in our world. You are what you what? You are what you what. If you eat things in a wrong way for a wrong reason, you will have wrong outcomes. And we've got to reverse that as well. We've got to bring that into captivity 
uh, to the knowledge of Christ. We've got to be able to analyze and examine why we are given to choices around you know what we eat and, and, and how we treat our bodies, because this is really about a holistic approach to getting our bodies back healthy again, because uh, the, the, the statistics are in, ladies and gentlemen. Um, our sisters are having some extremely serious health problems, extremely serious health problems. Even the young women, kids, children, extremely serious health problems. And uh, and you guys know um, one of the uh, components in the health problems, health difficulties is, is how we eat and why we eat. And so uh, you cannot serve God in a maximal way where you are uh, misappropriating this vessel, this body of his. You cannot honor him if you're not thinking right, not feeling right, not eating right, not resting right, not doing right. And they are all part of a continuum. So that's what we'll be doing week after next, healthy for God's glory. I'll bring that up next Monday, Lord willing. All right, so I'm gonna take one more break and then when I come back, I'll deal with your phone calls on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll try to push dialogue and conversation with all of you guys over into the next hour. one 367 one If you wanna call with a topic, a subject, a question, a comment, observation, a challenge, I'll be glad to engage you. one 367 5329 We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we are back. The time is 5.51 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines open. one 367 5329 Two lines open if you want to join us. Let's go to line number one and talk with Mark in San Jose. Mark, are you there? I am here, and uh, I'd like to talk about the succession planning. I heard this report today that I guess uh, these larger businesses uh, figure that about 10% of the people are going to need to be replaced because, you know, they go elsewhere or what have you. And uh, I guess um, there's there's calculating in about three years from now, the people that have taken the vaccine are going to be... uh, passing on, as they put it, not uh, retiring, but passing on. And so they're, they're planning on, uh, you know, having replacement workers for these uh, people that have had uh, the COVID vaccine. Have you heard anything about this? No, not at all. And when you keep using the term they, that sounds like a veiled uh, speech that can do no one any good that's listening to the radio particularly when you're talking about such a uh, a pessimistic outcome for people who have taken the vaccine. They probably don't really want to hear that. So let's reframe. Let's reframe what you just stated so that it can even be worthy of any kind of merit or consideration, because I do not believe that it's a foregone conclusion by any of the evidence that I'm watching that everyone that has taken the vaccine is just going to drop dead in three years. I don't buy that notion at all. I do believe that there is significant harm. Um, that the CDC, the FDA, and many others uh, that are right there at the pulse, particularly in the VAERS uh, vaccine adverse 
re, uh, 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 injury reaction uh, uh, company. I forget the last uh, last of the term, but they what they do is they re, they take down the data concerning people who have been impacted by seriously impacted by or mildly impacted by or have died from the vaccines. You know, Mark, that people are not going to be seeing that on the news or the media anytime soon. This is a concerted effort to not only keep that information hid, but if you can find it, they are piecemealing it out at the uh, petered pace of one to 10 percent. So that even though right now in the VAERS, uh, uh, I forget the term, uh, the VAERS report, um, there has been somewhere uh, like around four to 5,000 people who have actually died. And they're saying that that's only one to 10 percent. If we add that up, it's some remarkable numbers that are not being exposed to the American people as in terms of what the vaccines have already done, not to mention the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of actual injuries that have occurred. I could really make that a topic. But what I'm doing with that right now is building much more of a catalog of factual, substantial evidence before we begin to have that conversation, because we just have to have that conversation. But what I can't say is that as there have been a few cases in China where people have just been walking around having taken the vaccine, that they have just fallen down dead. They have that recorded. Uh, I can't say that. You are talking about what is called the long-term effect of this gene therapy uh, um, uh, experiment. It's not even called a vaccine yet, not technically. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in the emergency use uh, form of it right now. But I don't know where you're getting your information about the factual dying of all kinds of people in three years. Where are you getting that from? Infowars. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we don't we don't do much with that here. And I've told you about that because way too many times does Alex Jones use all kinds of inflated, uh, non-substantial, in fact, very legitimately debunked uh, information and sources and people who have proven to be wrong over and over and over again. And they still come on the show. And, and, And what that teaches you and me and anybody that's listening is. It teaches us that people don't learn from hucksters. People don't learn from individuals who are operating as sensationalists, which unfortunately, that's what Alex Jones does, notwithstanding the fact that he will have some legitimate information. His whole stick is around uh, uh, fringe people who don't really have valid uh, arguments are valid information. He 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 puts both the legitimate data and the illimit- illegitimate data together to create his programs and to sell his goods. If you watch his program substantially, so look on this program, we can't do that. The standard is higher here. We're Christian on this program. Uh, we're biblically based, so the parameters around which we would set forth. Even legitimate theories that would be framed around conspiracy have to be much more substantial than that, which is going on with uh, with, with Alex Jones. I'm sorry about that. Um, so, yeah, we have to discard that piece of information. Um, if you have anything else you want to say, you can. Uh, otherwise, I have to let yeah, you go. I have a lot to say. Uh, he's not a huckster. And the reason why you can tell he's an honest man is because when Bill Clinton blamed Rush Limbaugh for Oklahoma City, it was Alex Jones that interviewed the police officers there, like Officer Don Browning, Officer Craig Roberts, uh, 
Terrence Yakey because he was killed, but he was first on the scene of the crime. Um, and they all testified that the FBI uh, threatened to murder them if they didn't stop their investigation. Okay, that's and they said everyone in the police department knows it. Okay, so Mark. And, uh, you are asserting uh, one event where the man got something right. That's not how you establish the credibility of a talk show host or not. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time um, sharing with you all of the other areas in which he has made major mistakes, of which he himself has admitted that he has made major mistakes, particularly when he was hanging out with Joe Rogan and they spoke for three hours. He admitted that he made major mistakes. So it's this is not even a controversial issue. Sure, he gets some things right. That's what I said. But he gets a lot of things wrong. And what we're not going to do is sensationalize the vaccine thing because we don't want to be made out to be liars. So what you can do is actually get the evidence Submit it to me. Let me look at it. And then we might have a conversation around it in the future, man. Thanks for the call. Got to take a got to take my next caller over in uh, San Bruno. Let's go to Steve in San Bruno on line three. Steve, are you there? Hey, Steve. Yes, I am. Yeah, How I are am. you? I'm good. I, I talked to you about a year ago. Um, we talked about music and checking your motives. I told you I was an artist, and I was a truck driver. I actually I was living in Sacramento at the time. Sure. And yeah, yeah. So uh, I live in I'm living in San Bruno and working near Hayward now. So uh, I, you, your your program uh, earlier at twelve o'clock I was listening to, and when you were going through the Book of Revelation and you were talking about the um, how the the fallen angels that invaded space, per se, uh, how they invaded people's life in different ways. And I, I can attest to that. I want you to share some thoughts with me because I'm still de- dealing with some, th- with some things from my past. Sure. And what happened was, I, you know, um, when I told you I, was, you know, I wrote a song for my wife where my wife passed away you know, in 2019 after I talked to you. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, thank you. And so I went through a lot of different things. I made a few. I made a few uh, errors, you know, uh, going through. Sure. And what happened was, I ended up. Uh, my blood pressure went down. I went. I was in the hospital. Uh, and while I was in the hospital, uh, I was exposed to something. And I want. I want to say that God was allowing me to see something. Uh, but you can share your thoughts with me more on that. Uh, when I was in the bed, I seen uh, entities that were on the other side. I wasn't scared because you know I, I'm I'm pretty pretty sound in my Bible. I'm not the greatest, but I'm pretty sound in my Bible. And I understand a little bit about warfare and what have you. But I seen these entities that were, it was almost as if they were waiting to see if I was going to die. Hmm. And um, my blood pressure was around 70 at the time and they were hydrating me. And uh, I also started to hear things like hear voices at the time. So I, I, was, I was hoping you could share thoughts with me on that and uh, also pray, pray for me as well after that. Right. But if that's all you have to say that you saw, Steve, was entities, which 
you know, scientifically, we could not verify. But as people of faith, we know that we operate out of at least a uh, uh, a multidimensional universe. We know that we live in a physical world that also uh, simultaneously coexists with a spiritual dimension. We know that. We know that if we uh, are aware that everything has its origin in one true and living God who is invisible and unapproachable, immutable and impeccable, then we know that there there is at least one entity that exists that we cannot see with the naked eye. But we also believe that that entity has revealed himself in the person of his son, the visible Yahweh, and by the presence and power and providence and influence of the third person, the Holy Spirit. And then we also know, according to his written word, that there are uh, true elect angels who serve him in a hierarchy of military uh, uh, submission that uh, go from cherubim to seraphim to warrior angels to protecting angels, et cetera, et cetera. We know that. And therefore, we also know that there are fallen angels from Satan all the way down to uh, multiple legions of, uh, of, of angels that operate in the dimension of this physical world, controlling the masses of the world and certainly controlling institutions. We know that biblically. Uh, and then we also know it by the testimonial of men and women going all the way back to the earliest of written records. Uh, and in the medical industry, Stephen, they know that, too. They know that when men and women are lying on their uh, deathbed or in the hospital, that often they are having uh, experiences and visitations and things of that sort. Uh, some of that is speculative. Some of that the psychologists would certainly say are aberrations that are taking place under stress in their minds. But at other times it's inexplicable. They cannot uh, they cannot deny these realities. What I would say is that. Right. If all that you saw and heard was an observation of entities and some uh, some mumblings or some words, but all they were doing was standing there. The only thing I can say about that is, is that one, that was a test of your faith. If you, as you stated, you were calm, cool and collected. That is often the testimony of people that are at the beginning stage of a passage uh, from here to to eternity. Um, at other times, people are frightened out of their wits. All of that is to be evaluated both by uh, mature uh, persons of theological learning as well as uh, psychology and, 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 and psychiatric expertise because they're just ways to parse out and determine whether or not they're dealing with um, what was going on in their mind by hallucinogens and, and different mental aberrations or the potential of substantial real entities visiting people, which I absolutely hold to as a Christian and a biblicist uh, that we are dealing with entities all throughout our universe that in uh, in, in the mystery of uh, parallel worlds often show themselves to people. But if they didn't do anything more than that, my dear brother, um, the only thing you want to con- continue doing is going deep into your commitment upon uh, a fixation upon the glory of God so that if you should find yourself once again on the border of crossing over Jordan into glory, the only thing that you want to really see uh, 
is the manifestation of the glory of God in the person of Christ or his messengers that are coming to get you as they did with our brother Lazarus that was revealed to us in Luke 16 by none other than Jesus Christ himself. And and I, I pray for this with loved ones that are on the way passing uh, out of this world constantly. Let their vision be Christ, be the glory of God, the manifestation of the invisible God in his in his glory, in the emanation of his glory that brings comfort and peace and a joyful expectation of crossing over. That's all I would want for you, all I would want for me and all I would want for anybody that has put their trust in Christ. So stay committed to the word of God. Be careful not to get off into the fringes of demonology. Do not deviate from a radical Christocentric commitment to knowing God. You don't have time for any other love affair, but a deep, profound, unending, infinite pursuit of the knowledge of God. That's all you and I have. That's all we have, Brother Steve. And the Lord bless you, man, as you continue down the road. And call me again soon, okay? I got to take a hard break. We'll, all the lines okay. are open. one 367 5329 All the lines are open. Give me a call. one 367 5329 We'll be right back. That was amazing. 